Chapter 23 of The Prince and the Pauper This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Prince a Prisoner by Mark Twain Hendon forced back a smile and bent down and whispered in the king's ear, Softly, softly, my prince, wag thy tongue warily, nay, suffer it not to wag at all. Trust in me, all shall go well in the end. Then he added to himself, Sir Miles, bless me, I had totally forgot I was a knight. Lord, how marvelous a thing it is, the grip his memory doth take upon his quaint and crazy fancies. An empty and foolish title is mine, and yet it is something to have deserved it, for I think it is more honor to be held worthy to a spectre knight in his kingdom of dreams and shadows than to be held base enough to be an earl in some real kingdoms of this world. The crowd fell apart to admit a constable, who approached and was about to lay his hands upon the king's shoulder, when Hendon said, Gently, good fellow, withhold your hand, he shall go peaceably. I am responsible for that. Lead on, we will follow. The officer led with the woman and her bundle. Miles and the king followed after, with the crowd at their heels. The king was inclined to rebel, but Hendon told him in a low voice, Reflect, sire, your laws are the wholesome breath of your own royalty. Shall their source resist them, yet require the branches to respect them? Apparently one of these laws has been broken. When the king is on his throne again, can it ever grieve him to remember that when he was a seemingly a private person he loyally sank the king in the citizen and submitted to its authority? Thou art right. Say no more. Thou shalt see that whatsoever the king of England requires a subject to suffer under the law, he will himself suffer while he holdeth the station of a subject. When the woman was called upon to testify before the justice of the peace, she swore that the small prisoner at the bar was the person who had committed the theft. There was none able to show the contrary. So the king stood convicted. The bundle was now unrolled, and when the contents proved to be a plump little dressed pig, the judge looked troubled whilst Hendon turned pale, and his body was thrilled with an electric shiver of dismay, but the king remained unmoved, protected by his ignorance. The judge meditated, and during an ominous pause then turned to the woman with a question, What dost thou hold this property to be worth? The woman curtsied and replied, Three shillings and eight pence, your worship. I could not abate a penny and set forth the value honestly. The justice glanced around uncomfortably upon the crowd, then nodded to the constable and said, Clear the court and close the doors. It was done. None remained but the two officials, the accused, the accuser, and Miles Hendon. This latter was rigid and colorless, and on his forehead big drips of cold sweat gathered, broke, and blended together, and trickled down his face. The judge turned to the woman again and said in a compassionate voice, Tis a poor ignorant lad, and mayhap was driven hard by hunger. For these be grievous times for the unfortunate. Mark you, he hath not an evil face. But when hunger driveth, good woman, dost know that when one steals a thing above the value of thirteen pence halfpenny, the law say he should hang for it? The little king started, wide-eyed with consternation, but controlled himself and held his peace. But not so the woman. She sprang to her feet, shaking with fright, and cried out, Oh, good lack, what have I done? God a mercy! I would not hang the poor thing for the whole world. Ah, save me from this, your worship. What can I do? 
What shall I do? The justice maintained his judicial composure and simply said, Doubtless, it is allowable to revise the value, since it is not yet writ upon the record. Then in God's name, call the pig eightpence, and heaven bless the day that freed my conscience of this awesome thing. Miles Hendon forgot all decorum in his delight and surprised the king and wounded his dignity by throwing his arms around him and hugging him. The woman made her graceful adieu and started away with her pig, and when the constable opened the door for her, he followed her out into the narrow hall. The justice proceeded to write in his record book. Hendon, always alert, thought he would like to know why the officer followed the woman out, so he slipped softly into the dusky hall and listened. He heard a conversation to this effect. It is a fat pig, and promises good eating. I will buy it of thee. Here is eight pence. Eight pence, indeed. Thou'lt do no such thing. It cost me three shillings and eight pence. Good honest coin of the last reign. That old Harry that just died, ne'er touched or tampered with. A fig for thy eight pence. Stands the wind in that corner? Thou wast under oath, and so swore falsely when thou said value was but eight pence. Come straightway back with me before his worship, and answer for the crime. Then the lad will hang. There, there, dear heart, say no more. I am content. Give me the eightpence and hold thy peace about the matter. The woman went off crying. Hendon slipped back into the courtroom, and the constable presently followed, after hiding his prize in some convenient place. The justice rode a while longer, then read the king a wise and kindly lecture, and sentenced him to a short imprisonment in the common jail to be followed by a public flogging. The astounded king opened his mouth and was probably going to order the good judge to be beheaded on the spot, but he caught a warning sign from Hendon, and succeeded in closing his mouth again before he lost anything out of it. Hendon took him by the hand now, made reverence to the justice, and the two departed in the wake of the constable toward the jail. The moment the street was reached, the inflamed monarch halted, snatched his hand away, and exclaimed, "'Idiot! Dost imagine I will enter a common jail alive?' Hendon bent down and said something, somewhat sharply. Will you trust in me, peace, and forbear to worsen our chances with dangerous speech? What God wills will happen. Thou canst not hurry it, thou canst not alter it. Therefore wait and be patient. Twill be time now to rail or rejoice when what is to happen has happened. End of chapter 23 Read by Katie Caselli in Apex, North Carolina